Thank you guys so much for being here today. If you don't know who I am, my name is Tony Doyle. I'm one of the associate ministers here at Metro Tab, and I'm so honored to get to bring the word to you today. I don't take these moments lightly, and I pray that after you leave this place today, you will have learned something that you can apply to your life. Amen? So let's get to work. Before we get to work, I want to excuse my sound. Allergies. How many can testify? Allergies. <laughs> Every hand in the room, allergies. So let's go to work. So I want to ask you guys a question. Would you agree with me that the times that we live in right now are unprecedented? We've never seen some of these things that we see right now. There's been semblance of, of, of it in the past, right? But it seems like it's all just come together in these probably about the past 24, 36 months. Wouldn't you say that? Wouldn't you agree with me? But would you also say that this environment that we find ourselves in right here, this body of believers, this healthy house, this place of safety, wouldn't you say that you are thankful that though we are faced with unprecedented times, we are in a, in a, a season where the, this church, the body of believers around the world have come together and said, we're going to stand. Because you see, unprecedented times have to make way for a unprecedented church. And God is looking for a church to stand up and say, no matter what you see on the outside, if y'all would just stick together, if we would just come together, if we would not forsake these opportunities to come together and worship, how much of an impact could we make? Right? Would you also say that because we're in this house, because we have the leaders that we do, would you say that you are appreciative of the covering that it offers you? Right? But as we are faced with a global pandemic of whatever you want to call it, we call it a curse. That's what it is. They can call it a disease. It's a curse. But there's another pandemic going on right now, and it's actually happening in the body of Christ. I'm going to preach a message today um, that may not be popular. It may sting you. It may hurt, but you need to hear it. Sorry. Okay. So I'm just giving you that disclaimer. You know, at the bottom of the screen, they give you a disclaimer. When you smoke all those packs of cigarettes, you should read the bottom label that says it's going to... I'm sorry. Let me keep going. Keep going. So I'm going to give you a disclaimer. There's a pandemic going on in the body of Christ right now because there are people like you and me that call themselves believers, that call themselves a part of the body of Christ, that call themselves blood-bought, but yet they call themselves Christians without a covering. They are okay with, I got Jesus, that's all I need. Church, I don't need that. Spiritual accountability, I don't need that. Spiritual authority, I don't need to submit to that. I just need Jesus in my Bible and I'm good. Folks, that's not biblical. I don't know how you function in this world as a Christian without a covering. You can't function that way. Because yes, God, the Bible says God is the head of the body. Jesus is the head of the body. But we, the body, are what? We're the church. And God has specifically designed the church to cover his people. The problem is when we step out from under the covering, we set ourselves up for something called destruction. Because the church is there to cover us. So those people that say, I don't need to go to church. I have a relationship with Jesus, just me and him. He understands me. My situation is different. You see, me and Jesus got an understanding. So just because I don't go to church, that doesn't mean that you're a better Christian than me. You're right. But I, I recognize that I'm a sinner saved by grace. And this house is allowing me to live the way I need to live and help me to grow to be better than who I used to be. So I'm going to drop some facts into you today. Only 40% of people who call themselves Christians say they have a home church. 
Think about that. In America, 47% of people, that means over half of people like you and me that say we love Jesus, don't go to church, don't have a home church. And we wonder why our world is in chaos. We wonder why those who call themselves Christians still live like they ain't. Excuse my English. And we wonder why the world, it, it, right now the world is the way they is. Because God never intended for that. He intended for us to come together and worship together and hold each other accountable. Nobody likes that word. Nobody likes spiritual accountability. But you see, when you're under a covering, it's not just the accountability of your pastors. It's the accountability of each other. Because see, when you're uncovered, when something hits you, because life will hit you, it's that person sitting next to you because you're covered. They've been praying for you and you didn't even know it. But when you step out from under the cover, you have nobody to cover you. So they don't know where you are because you ain't been here in weeks. Come on, say that. Or you decided to leave so that nobody would know. And then when something happens to you, you get upset because nobody called you and prayed for you. But you stepped out from under the covering and wonder why you're struggling the way you are. I told you the message is going to be hard. I'm sorry. The greater detriment to our faith walk is when we have walked out from under the God-giving covering he designed for us. See, God never intended for his people to forsake the order of his authority. There's an order. The Bible says do everything in decency and in order. Whether you want to agree to it or not, it's God's rules, not ours. He ordained the church. I'm not just talking about Metro Tab. I'm talking about the church as a whole. Because there are some great churches that are around here that are doing it right. And we are one of them. But the problem is this. When the people of the church get out of order, then there's positions that are left unfilled because people walk out from under the covering. Because see, it says this. We will honor everyone and everywhere else more than we will honor his church and his leaders. We'll honor everything else. We'll honor our commitment to take our babies to softball tournaments. We'll honor our commitment to go to the movies late on Saturday night. And so when it's time to get, get up to go to church, uh, I'll just sit at home. I'm tired. That movie was long, even though you shouldn't have watched it because it had pornography and it had nudity and it had profanity. It had a lot of different things in it. But that was enough for you to miss church. Or, or we have folks that because Adam and Olivia sing every song, they want me on the praise team, but they don't let me sing. They just hog all the spotlight. So I ain't coming no more because they just do everything. Because see, we honor everyone and everywhere else. I'm going to go where my gift is celebrated. and you're not realizing where you are, God will celebrate you if you would just stay in position. Yeah. Hebrews 10.25 says this, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Don't be some of the some. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I don't know about you, but this scripture right here is really relevant right now. I don't know if you've noticed, but the wars and the rumors of wars, the disease and the pestilence, the beginning of the birth pangs, they're happening, folks. What does he say? Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That means this right here is essential. If I were you, unless you just have a medical emergency, I would not miss a Sunday for the rest of your life. Even if you're out of town, find a healthy place to go. Anytime Tanya and I go out of town, 
we always find a church to go to, a healthy house, because we understand the importance of fellowship. We understand the importance of community, because there are things that you're not going to get in your prayer closet that you're going to get here. Hmm. I'm going to park here for a while. So there are a lot of times as people of God, as I said earlier, there are Christians that walk around with no covering. Often when they leave, they leave for two reasons. They leave because of rebellion or they leave because of release. So hear me carefully. When you're in a house like this and you're sitting under leadership like this, the things that you've been struggling with, those demons that you've been fighting, because of the, the, the spirit of the house, those demons start to get confronted. And because the demons start to get confronted, you have a choice on how you react. What happens is when we allow, when we allow pride to dictate our actions, we, we leave in rebellion. Because you see, rebellion is pride's response to confrontation. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. Rebellion is pride's response to confrontation. When we stand up here and preach a word and it starts to convict you, you have two choices. You're either going to rebel and say, he ain't speaking to me. That word ain't for me. Or you're going to make a choice and say, I'm going to choose to release these things out of my life so I can grow. So many people walk, walk out in rebellion because they don't fully understand why God put them where they are in the first place. And then there's release. Release is the healthy thing to do. It's healthy to release some things. Let me ask you guys a question. Anybody here on the job, maybe you've left the job and you've done something called an exit interview. Anybody ever done an exit interview on your job? Most people have, right? Okay. On an exit interview, whenever the time comes for you to exit that job, what do you do? You sit down with your boss and you have a conversation about your experience on the job, right? Right? There are two things that you do in an exit interview that you must do when you are released or, or, or when you are releasing something. There is reflection and there is review. There is reflection and there is review. When you walk out of here in rebellion and you don't communicate and you just leave, you're not giving them a chance or this house a chance to reflect and review why you're leaving. You don't just walk off the job and not do an exit interview because if you just quit up at like any job you you're on, if you just decide to just up and quit and then you turn around and try to call for a reference, you think you're going to get a reference from that place? So why do we do it in God's house? Why do we do that here? Why do we just walk out because the preacher says something we don't like? And so we walk in rebellion and then we expect God to help us do something down the road. I told you it ain't going to be easy. It has become easier to walk out from under the covering to justify our calling. I'm called. God anointed me. So why I ain't up there preaching? God gave me this angelic voice. Why I ain't up there singing? Why I got to be an usher? I hear you, Miss Deborah. Because we are, we are more concerned with what God has put in us as opposed to who God put us under. And we don't realize that the reason why God put us under that covering is to cultivate our calling. And we get upset when our calling is not brought to the forefront by who we're under. And so we leave who we are under because we get offended. Hmm. So, 
Let's look at the definition of undercover. This was a great definition when I saw this. It says, when, you, when you're undercover, you are under something to protect you from gunfire, bombing, or weather. Ooh. Ooh. So you mean. So you mean. When I'm undercover, let's, let's, let's look at this from a spiritual perspective. Y'all like my robe? Let's look at this from a spiritual perspective. You are under something to protect you from gunfire, bombing, or weather. What does John chapter 10 say? The thief comes, but only to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. You are under something to protect you from gunfire, bombing, or weather. So that means because I'm under the cover, the demonic elements can't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all missed a chance to shout right there. When you're under the proper covering, when you got somebody praying for you, when you're in a healthy house and you're right under the cover, the enemy can't touch you. Because my Bible says in Isaiah, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard. So when I'm under the covering, though the enemy may try to hit me, he may try to attack me because my covering is covering me. The standard is raised when the enemy tries to hit me with sickness, when he tries to hit me with disease, when he tries to hit me with negative reports. Because I'm under the covering, it can't touch me, even though it may try to get close to me because somebody else is praying for me, because somebody else is standing in the gap for me. Even though it may try to touch me, it will never stay because my covering is covering me. Mm. You see, when you understand and embrace covering, <laughs> you come under the mission of another. That's what submission means. Under the mission of somebody else. Because, again, God, God put, put that gift on the inside of you. He put that calling on the inside of you. But sometimes we become our own worst enemy and not realize that just because it hasn't happened yet, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. But if we would just stay in position underneath the covering and stay under the mission of another, we can actually see those gifts be cultivated and grow and blossom. But the, just like Pastor Rita said earlier, and, I, and, I, and I, this is the craziest thing in the world, the past 48 hours, I've spoken to four different people that have preached my message. Miss Sherry preached it yesterday. Hank preached it this morning. Pastor Rita said something this morning, and it's just like, Lord, why are you doing this? You're taking all my material. <laughs> but it's important to come under the mission of another. When you understand and embrace covering, you are saying, even though I know what I want and what God has put on the inside of me, I'm willing to submit myself to somebody else because where they are is where God is taking me. When you understand and embrace covering, you welcome correction. Nobody likes to be corrected. You ain't my mama. You ain't my daddy. Who the heck you think you talking to? The problem is you don't know you. And so you choose to get offended and not submit to correction, realizing that God's trying to train you and multiply you. But because of that, you divide yourself. Because you don't know how to understand and submit to correction. Because when you're undercovering, you recognize it and say, all right, I'm going to listen. I may not like it. Amen. You're not supposed to like correction. If you like correction, you're really weird. <laughs> but correction is for your benefit. The Bible says, our father, we love our father if we love discipline. Because see, correction is a part of the pruning process. It's a part of the cutting away. It, it trims the fat. 
Sometimes I wish it trimmed it physically, but that's another story. <laughs> Correction trims those areas in our lives that we don't need anymore. Correction trims the dead roots. It trims the dead branches in our lives. But again, it requires you to stay under the covering. Because we have so many people claiming they're Christians, but they ain't growing. They got saved 20 years ago, and they're still living like they were 20 years ago. Because they have no covering. Because they have no spiritual accountability. Because they don't understand or embrace spiritual authority. They want to buck when they've been corrected. And they walk out of these doors and never return because they allowed rebellion to creep into their heart. I'm going to say something that you may not like, so curl up your toes because I'm about to step on them. There are people in, just, just, let's just say Chattanooga. There are people in Chattanooga right now that were a part of a church before and they're now in a new church or they're not in church and they're walking in rebellion because they never had a conversation with their pastor. And so many times, I've been here, we've been here now 17 years. I can't tell you the times where I'll ask pastor, hey, pastor, what happened to so-and-so? They just left. They never communicated. See, the role of a shepherd is not to make you feel good. It's to help you grow and feed you. What did, what did Jesus tell Peter? He said, he said, Peter, do you love me? What did he say? Feed my sheep. When these shepherds are trying to feed us, sometimes it ain't going to feel good. Sometimes it may not be ice cream. Sometimes it may be Brussels sprouts. But what they hear, God, what they hear from God is what they're trying to give you to grow. When Adam and the team are singing a song and you may not like that song, they ain't singing it for you. They're singing it to him. But the problem is because we don't like something, we end up leaving in rebellion without even having a conversation, without even having an exit interview. And we wonder why we walk in the chaos that we walk in now. So I'm not, step, I'm not trying to purposely step on your toes. And I'm so glad that you're here. Please hear me. I'm glad that you are here. But if you left a church and you did not have a conversation with your pastors, I ain't talking about an email. I ain't talking about a text message. I ain't talking about relaying the message to somebody else. You need to go have a conversation with that pastor and then come back in here and worship with us. That sounds harsh, but it's about accountability. And too much in the body of Christ has been unaccountability. <laughs> the next thing is you reject external distractions. When you're under the covering, you can recognize the voice of the enemy when you hear him. Because, see, there are people that have walked out of here, not just here, but in churches around America, that have left the wrong way and walked out in rebellion, and then they start whisper campaigns. And then they try to get back to you and say, man, I found this great place down the street. Why don't you come join me? When you're under the covering and you know you're supposed to be here, you reject external distractions. My Bible says in Psalms 1, it says this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. When people want to disparage and scorn this house, because you're under the covering, you can say, I hear you, but I ain't listening. God bless you. Go on about your business. Because I am where I'm supposed to be. Because see, the problem is, we think when we're under a covering, we're supposed to agree with everything. That's not it. The commonality is Jesus. That's all that matters. And when you're in a house this diverse, we ain't going to agree on everything. And that's okay. You know why? Because Jesus is the foundation. When you understand and embrace covering, you value community. Because you recognize isolation equates to destruction. The enemy of your soul wants nothing more than to isolate you. Because when you're isolated, he can pick you off like a sniper. I don't know if you guys have ever seen um, video of sheep herders. 
and they have the dogs, and, 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 and a lot of times the shepherd is in front because the sheep know to follow the shepherd. Because sheep are really dumb animals, I think it's interesting God says, we are his sheep. I didn't say y'all were dumb. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, okay? So, but every now and again, you will have a sheep that goes astray because they stop keeping their eyes on their leader. And because of that, when the wolf comes, that sheep is helpless because they did not stay under the covering of their shepherd. And we have people in the body of Christ today that are being picked off by the enemy because they got away from their covering. They got out of the shepherd's view. And when we do that, we isolate ourselves. And we allow the enemy to pick us off. And we wonder why. I'm always under attack. He's trying to hurt me. Even under covering, you're going to get attacked. But the difference is you got an army behind you when you're under the covering. So I want to look at the life of King Saul today. Saul was a very, very interesting character in the Bible. Saul was one of the most strange individuals when you read the scripture. He started off so great. He had so much promise and he was trying to do what's right. But Saul is a perfect character of somebody that started under the covering, but chose to walk out from under it. So Saul started off as an unassuming, reluctant young man. It's just like us, right? We come into a healthy house. We, we sit in the back and we pretend that nobody can see us. And we just, we squat down. I hope they don't see me. I'm just here to worship. I'm a baby Christian. Please don't see me. Please don't talk to me. Please leave me alone. But then over time, over time, you start to grow, right? Because you're in the house. And then Saul submitted to the prophet Samuel who had called him forth. And it's just like us. We start to grow in our faith. We start to grow in who God called us to be. And we recognize the authority that God has placed over us. And then we start to develop as a warrior. God starts to to use us in battle a little bit more than how he would when we were younger. And again, as you develop as a warrior, the only reason why you're developing as a warrior is because the attacks are coming. But because you stayed under the covering, because he stayed under Samuel, he was able to defeat the enemy every single time. But unfortunately, Saul didn't stay under the covering. He didn't stay under the covering. And there was a moment in time where Saul chose to go opposite of what Samuel taught him. You see, when, when the traces of rebellion start to birth themselves in you, you start to believe the press of those who are speaking to you outside of what you should be hearing from your covering. Saul got in his own way when he decided to believe the press of those under him. So if you want to go to your, go to, go to turn to first Samuel chapter 13, first Samuel chapter 13. Now Saul, the Bible says is established. He builds this great big army and he built that his success was predicated on his submission. You miss that. His success was predicated on his submission. So let's pick it up in 1 Samuel 13, verses 2 through 4. The Bible says this, Saul chose 3,000 men from Israel because they were fighting the Philistines. And the Bible says this, Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Geba, and the Philistines heard about it. Then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, let the Hebrews hear. So all the Israel heard of the news. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost. Wait a minute. Who attacked the Philistines? Jonathan. What did the men of Israel say? Saul. Not one time did Saul correct what they said because pride was starting to creep in his heart because he thought, I did this. 
that's when he started to rebel against Samuel's leadership. Saul came to a place in his life when he no longer saw Samuel as his leader, but he saw him as his equal. The problem with a lot of people in the body of Christ today is they think what they do is easy. I can do what they do. I can stand up there and preach for 90 minutes. I can stand up there and sing like Adam. And we start seeing ourselves as their equal as opposed to seeing them as people that we need to look to for leadership. Not because they're perfect, but because where they are, we are trying to get to. So 1 Samuel 13, 11 through 12 says this. They were about to go into battle with the Philistines, and any time the children of Israel would go into battle, they would do what? They would offer a sacrifice and consult the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to handle this? So this is where we picked it up. This is Saul talking. He says, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come, talking to Samuel, at the set time and the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought... Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You see, in those days, the only person that offered the burnt offering was the prophet, was the leader. Because God made it specifically that the king should not be a priest and the priest should not be a king. And God has set roles in the church that there are certain things that the leaders do and there are certain things that the body does. But, he, but, but it says this, he says, he saw, he thought, and so he felt compelled. How many times in our lives, because we see something that we shouldn't have seen or we see something that we made up in our minds is the right thing to do. So we start thinking to ourselves, I can do that. So then you feel compelled to do something that you probably shouldn't do. And what is that? The Bible says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life drive us to do things that are really stupid. And that's what Saul Saul did at this moment because he allowed his pride to dictate his actions. So I want to give you guys five ways to spot when you are not undercover. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly through these because we're, we're running out of time. Five ways to spot when you are not undercover. So at this time, we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 28. And now Saul is completely out of the will of God. The Bible even says, he says to Samuel, God says to Samuel, I regret ever making Saul my king. Look how far rebellion took him. It took him from an unassuming, developing warrior to God saying, I regret making you my king. And we wonder why so many people that are walking around uncovered have not fulfilled their their purpose and their destiny in their lives because they've walked so far away in rebellion. So we're going to pick it up in, in 1 Samuel 28. The loss of fellowship doesn't shift you back into alignment. When you're, walk, when you're not under a covering, the loss of fellowship doesn't shift you back into alignment. You don't recognize that you are so far gone because you believed in your mind you're doing the right thing. You believe in your mind it was right for you to walk out of here and not have a conversation with your pastors and be released because there's a difference between rebellion and release, remember? So we're going to pick it up in 1 Samuel 28.3. He says, now Samuel was dead And all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. Notice it never says Saul mourns for Samuel. If you leaving this house in rebellion doesn't wake you up and cause you to mourn because you missed the fellowship, how far are you really? How far have you strayed off the path that this And not just Metro Tab, I'm talking about fellowship. I'm talking about community. If this doesn't grieve you to not be here on a Sunday morning, you've gone way off course. It should grieve you to not be in the house of God. It should grieve you 
It should make you keel over and say, God, I need to be in your house. We got too many Lone Ranger Christians as it is. When you're in the house, you are submitted to the covering and you recognize that you have to be here. Another way that we can recognize if we are uncovered, your response to crisis is out of order. 1 Samuel 28, 5 through 8 says, when Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid and terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. You see, when you're outside of the will, when you're outside of the covering, I'm not saying God won't speak to you. That's not what I'm saying. But you're less likely to hear what you need to hear from him as opposed to hearing what you think you need to hear or what you want to hear. Because a lot of times when we're not under the covering, we start making up stuff in our mind and say, oh, God told me to do that. God ain't tell you to do that. (laughs) Because you're out of order. The Bible says judgment starts in the house of God. And it requires us to be in order for us to hear him. So if you're out of order, I'm sorry, you ain't hearing him the way you need to because you're out of order spiritually. So he says, verse seven, Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman who was a medium so I may go and inquire of her. So if you don't know what a medium is, a medium is a witch, a sorceress. And he says, there is one in Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes. And at night, he and two men went to the woman. Consult a spirit for me. Look how far Saul has fallen. Look how far he has fallen. Again, the unassuming, growing warrior on fire for God. Just like some of us, when we first started, we were on fire for God. And then because we stepped out from the covering, now we start believing in tarot cards. And we want to say it's Pisces season and Scorpio season and Gemini season and all this other junk. Not realizing that those things don't represent the God that you say you serve. God don't care about your horoscope sign. Witchcraft. Say that again. It's witchcraft. But if you were under the covering, you would recognize it's witchcraft and not believe in that mess. Here's a good one. When you're not under the covering, their mantle is not on you. It's still on them. I'm going to park here for a little bit. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out of, because she ended, up, she ended up getting his spirit. You know, go back and read the whole chapter. I, there's just so much to preach in this chapter, but I, I tried to pick out the points. She ended up conjuring up Samuel's spirit. So the Bible says this. She cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming up out of the earth. And he asked, what does he look like? An old man wearing a robe is coming up. Underline that word robe. Then Saul knew it was Samuel and he bowed down and prostrated himself. I ask myself the question, when do spirits have clothes on? Think about that. Why did the Bible say he still had his robe on? Well, you got to go back to the story of Elijah and Elisha. If you go back to 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah is running from Jezebel because he had just slaughtered all of her prophets and he's running for his life. The Bible says God, he, God meets him on the backside of a mountain somewhere, and he says to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? And he says, God, I ain't got nobody, I ain't got no friends, um, people trying to kill me, right? And God says this, go back the way you came, and he gives him a set of instructions. One of the instructions he tells him is this. He says, go to Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and anoint him to be your successor. Go back and read 1 Kings 19. So when he gets to Elisha, the Bible says he finds Elisha in the field plowing with a yoke of oxen. Here's a little hashtag moment for you. In order for you to get to the position you want to, you got to be able to plow where you are. 
The problem is nobody wants to put their hand to the plow. Everybody wants to be with a with a with a with a with a with a celebrated position, but nobody wants to put their hand to the plow anymore and plow. The reason why Elisha was chosen was because he was doing what he was supposed to do in that moment. That's another message for another day. The Bible says when he walked up to Elisha, he took off the mantle, the robe, and put it on Elisha. Recognizing and symbolizing, I want you to come under my covering because there's going to come a time where I'm no longer here and you're going to walk in my anointing. Because the robe represents the anointing of God in the Old Testament. So let's go back to this story. He says, an old man wearing a robe is coming up. Do you know why Samuel, the prophet, when he was dead, was still wearing his robe? Was because Saul got out out of position so far. He walked out from under the covering so far that Samuel had nobody to give his robe to when he left this earth. Think about that. He had nobody to give that robe to. And a lot of times when you walk out of here in rebellion, instead of being released by your pastors, because when you're released, they release a blessing on you. And when you walk out in rebellion, the blessing stays with them. It don't go with you. And so the robe that Samuel had, he couldn't give it to Saul because he had stepped too far out of position. And God needs us to get back in position so we can have the anointing of our leaders on us, the anointing of the house on us, so that when we walk out of these four doors under the covering of who God called us to be, we are walking in the anointing of the house. Because when your anointing and the house's anointing collides in the atmosphere, you can create much more damage than than you by yourself. I'm trying to hurry. Number four, you've forgotten sound wisdom from your leader. 1 Samuel 28, 16 through 18 says, Samuel said, why do you consult me now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? You ain't listened to me before. So why are you trying to talk to me now? So if y'all see pastor out on the golf course somewhere and you rebelled against him, not saying he would do this, I'm different. If I see you on the street and you walked out on me, you ain't say nothing to me. Bye. I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. The Lord has done what he predicted through me. Samuel had already told Saul what was going to happen. But the great thing about what Samuel did and what God was trying to do in Saul's life, he was trying to give him a chance to repent. Even when Saul disrespected and dishonored Samuel before, that should have been a moment where Saul woke up and said, man, I messed up. He should have been able to go back to Samuel and say, daddy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Now, that wouldn't have changed the fact that David was going to be the next king, but it would have changed the trajectory of Saul's lineage and his heritage after he died. But if you read the story of Saul after him, his lineage was cut off because he stepped out of position and didn't heed the words of his leader. My God, this is not the season to walk in rebellion. It is not the season to walk in rebellion. And finally, the voice of the enemy sounds logical. You've strayed so far away from God that when the enemy speaks to you, you think, oh, that sounds good. Let me do that. First yeah. Samuel 28, 21 through 23 says this. When the woman came to Saul and saw that he was greatly shaken, she said, Look, your servant has obeyed you. I took my life into my hands and did what you told me to do. Now, please listen to your servant and let me give you some food so you may eat and have the strength and go your own way. Please listen to your servant. Listen to a witch? When has a witch ever given you sound counsel? When has a demon ever given you sound counsel? If you're willing to listen to that, you're basically saying, God, I don't want nothing to do with you anymore because you can't serve God and the enemy. And when you start listening to him, you're basically telling God, God, I don't have nothing to do with you no more because you're willing to listen to the enemy because you're walking in rebellion. Yes. 
So I want to close like this today. God, I hear you. There is, there is such importance. There is a grave, grave, grave importance that we must follow as the people of God. Because your covering is costly. Pastors, will you join me up here, please? They didn't know I was going to preach this message today. Um, when pastor asked me to preach, I had something else I was going to preach, but the Lord pointed me in this direction and I just have to obey God. Oftentimes we see pastors and leaders and say, man, they're so strong. They're so strong. They seem like they never have an issue. And they'll probably laugh at you. They'll laugh at you behind your back. But (laughs) they have issues. They have pain that they go through. Because your covering is costly. There is a price that had to be paid for the covering that you get to experience in this house every week. I'm going to give you an example. If you don't believe me. That same story of Elijah and Elisha. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 2 that as Elijah and Elisha were walking along, basically they were having fellowship with one another, the covering and the one who was being covered. Elijah looks at Elisha and says, what can I do for you before I leave this earth? And he says this, give me a double portion of your spirit. Elijah looks at him and says, what you have asked for me is a very hard thing. What they do is a hard thing. But they're willing to give you a double portion of what they have on them because you're under their covering. And oftentimes, because you walk out of the door in rebellion, because they did something you didn't like, or we offended you in some way, or somebody else in this house offended you, You walk out from under the covering, not recognizing that the blessing didn't go with you. So this is what I want to do. I want us to, everybody stand with me, please. I want us to pray for our covering today. Because the battle is raging. And we are in a time like never before. And it's important that as our covering covers us, we cover them. Amen. Come on, amen? Because our covering is costly. It costs something. The price tag is hefty to cover you, to cover me. And I want you guys to realize that because covering represents covenant, right? Covering represents covenant. The problem is some people think, well, I can't ever leave. This is not what this is about because covenant doesn't equate to proximity. Hear me. Covenant doesn't equate to proximity. There may be a time where God speaks to you and says, it's time for you to go. It's time for you to transition into a new season. Wouldn't you rather leave and be released with a blessing as opposed to leaving the wrong way? Maybe God has called you to go do something great. Wouldn't it be great to have a covering over you? So why would you leave and go do what God's called you to do without somebody covering you and blessing you out the door? But we have so many people that leave and walk out because they haven't fulfilled their calling yet and they get upset and they leave without the blessing attached to them. Or maybe God has called you to another church in another city somewhere away. That's totally fine. But when you step into that new church, you better make sure you're right with your old one. Because the blessings on that new house can't get on you because you forsook the blessing of the old house. Excellent, excellent teaching. 
God needs us to get into alignment. And one of the ways we get into alignment is committing ourselves to the covering we are under. For however long you're here, if you're here, you're here until God tells you otherwise. For some of us, we'll be here forever. Praise God. But there are some of us that we may not be here forever. I would hope you want to leave with a blessing. So I want you to stretch your hands towards your pastors today. Matter of fact, can I have some leaders just join me? If you're on the leadership team, just, just, just join me. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we just pray for our pastors. We pray for our covering. Father, we are grateful that they have a heart for this. We are grateful, Lord, that you chose them and you called them to the kingdom for such a time as this. God, we pray for their strength. We pray for their peace. We pray for a fresh anointing to hit them now in the name of Jesus. And Father, we declare your word as Psalms 133 says, that when we dwell together in unity, it's like the anointing oil running on the head of Aaron down his beard and onto his garments. Father, we are the garments and they are the head. So I pray right now, God, that you would give them a fresh anointing, a fresh dose of your spirit to continue to lead this church forward. And we, as the body of Christ, will stand to attention. We will come into alignment and honor our covering and trust that where they are leading us, they are being led by you. God, we celebrate them now. And we just say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you put your hands together?